Welcome to the Common Humanity Podcast. Oh goodness, we're gonna do that again. Welcome to the Common Humanity Podcast, where we are here to have real human conversations. Today, my guest is Alicia. She is someone who I briefly met at a, well, at a, like a booth at a little music festival selling beautiful art. And um, that is all I know about her so far is that she makes beautiful art. So Alicia, if I were to ask you, who are you? What's your response? <laughs> Love that face. That is the question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> well, I guess just like a brief, like general synopsis. Um, I guess I'm my wife and mom. I live in Cheyenne. Uh, my son's eight years old. Um, I grew up in the Midwest in Minnesota. Um, I moved out here to Wyoming when I was 22. Um, my husband was in the military overseas in Iraq at the time, and I kind of um, I moved in with his parents. So I've been here, been here a little while. Um, I absolutely love Wyoming. I'm a huge outdoor person. We love you know all hiking and mountains and every everything you can't get in Minnesota, where I come from, is what I love about this place. Basically, um, I don't know. I've been I've been working at the art thing for pretty much my whole life. I have didn't really get serious about start or excuse me, about selling art um, and making it seriously until I was, gosh, I don't even know, maybe it's like 25 or 26. And so sometimes I feel like I'm a little late to that game because um, I didn't start earlier, but it is what it is. And and the past eight years we've lived in Cheyenne, I've, um, I've really, really enjoyed the art community here. It's helped me grow a lot as an artist and a person. Um, and so I, you know, I didn't think too much of Cheyenne when I first moved here, but I didn't know I didn't know anything about it. Um, but now that I've lived here for a while, I'm 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 loving it. And I'm by nature a very shy and anxiety-filled and nervous person. Um, but being more involved in something that I'm passionate about and the fact that the people in Cheyenne allow me to do that so easily has just really, really helped me grow as a person, becoming less shy, more willing to do things that freak me out, like this. <laughs> extremely nervous right now but um yeah I love that do you do you think that there is a specific person or group that had more of an impact on you in making you feel at home here um yes I would say the the makers and creatives group um, I know they've gone through, you know, a couple of changes with who's in the group and who's not um, the last couple of years, but that group as a whole, um, they're very, very welcoming and very forthcoming with like um, opportunities for artists like me. And, um, you know, they've invited me to a couple of things. They're just really good communicators. And it seems like they really um, enjoy having a lot of you know, different ideas come and play into a lot of these art things. It's not just Western art. It's not just sculpture. You know what I mean? Um, and I think, I think most of them are kind of my age. I think we're kind of in the same age group. So that, that makes it a lot less intimidating as well. Um, the other cities I've lived in, I was kind of young at the time. It just seemed like their, their artist guilds and their galleries were just full of people who were so much older than me and so much wiser and experienced than me. So um, it's nice to be Part of a group of my peers I they've just made it really easy I haven't had to work too hard and take too much of a personal risk being part of their group and and doing things with them so um, they've really been great 
I love that. Um, what, so what mediums do you work with? Um, so I'm primarily, uh, our acrylic and oil painting. Um, but I'm a really big fiber artist as well. Um, I started knitting, oh God, like 15 years ago. Um, I started knitting for a charity thing and I just, I just loved it. So I, I kept going and, um, I joined a little knit group when we moved here to Cheyenne and then it slowly evolved into me making my own yarn. Um, so now I process my own wool and I spin my own yarn and make things out of that. And then I do, um, I'm really big into cross stitch too. I love snarky wise ass cross stitch. And that's, that's really my jam lately. I really should focus more on painting than I do on that, but, um, um, I like that too. And then, uh, we do, I do a couple other things, um, a couple of 3D things. I like to make little fairy houses out of gourds and just kind of whatever just comes my way. I'm not really, I'm not really that focused on painting like I should be. Sometimes I feel like um, I really ought to stick to one thing because I'm too multifaceted and I feel like that could be confusing sometimes for people. But also I just like to do what I do. I just like to make things that I like. <laughs> I like the end part of the answer because I don't know if you saw me just be like very, I have ADHD and people tell me all the time, like you need to focus on one thing. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> no. there's so many things to make. There's so many things to see too many books to read. You know what? Right. It's just, sometimes you don't do yourself a service by forcing yourself to stick to one specific thing. I think you should try everything if you want to. Yeah. I agree. You should try everything that you want to. Um, I also think, so I had a friend who would always say, don't should on yourself. Like I should do this. I should do that. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, don't, That's don't shoot on yourself yeah. because there's, there's a lot of things you can do and you get, you have the, the beauty of choosing what brings you joy um, or what you're putting your time into. And if making fairy houses out of gourds is it, then do it because the paint will still be there. It's not like you're going to stop painting, but, um, and I think that is like, that's always something that has worried me in life in various endeavors, which is like taking the thing that is your passion and turning it into your job. Um, then you start to be like, oh, well, I need to produce more of this thing. And I feel like it might take some of the joy out of it. Do you feel like since you've started selling art, has there ever been a point where it's felt more like work than pleasure? Yeah, a lot, especially, um, in the first, within the first couple of days of like, when I have a vendor show coming up, um, I really start to get down on myself because I feel like like a certain pressure that to have to produce this many pieces of art um, or this specific type of art. And my husband has asked me the question before when I've been, you know, in the basement the night before sweating it out, you know, he's like, does this take away from your inspiration? Like having to like work like this and like, well, sometimes it does. Um, and then sometimes I'm just, I've, I'm just into it at the very, at the very, till the very end. Um, but, you know, I definitely feel, I feel like that sometimes, especially like, it's so interesting what you said about not, not shooting on yourself. Uh, I haven't heard that before, but that kind of goes 
hand in hand, I feel like with, with not comparing yourself to people, because that is a big stealer of joy. And I really, really have a hard time with that because I see a lot of, a lot of fantastic artists in Cheyenne who do focus on just one thing and are making something of their art career. And I always think I should do that too. Um, and I'm not doing that. I'm doing this and this and this, but it's, it's such a double-edged sword with being an artist because you want, you want to stay inspired and motivated and you want to stay creative, but sometimes it just feels like there's no way to move forward financially or <laughs> when you do that, you know, I can either make money or I can be happy. Um, and so I just, I guess I go through seasons of, of, I'm just doing this to be happy. I'm just going to do this. It's going to bring me joy. And if it's successful, then it is. If it's not, it's not, but I'm going to be happy. And then I definitely do feel like, feel those times when, um, it just, it just starts to become a burden. The more I think about the money bit, it starts to become more and more depressing sometimes the more I think about it. So yeah. right now I'm just, I'm just doing what I do. I'm doing things that I like and making things that I love. So if they don't sell, it's great that they stay in the house because I love it. Um, and I'm not, I'm not worrying too much about um, the monetary gain of it all. It would be nice if I could make more money selling art, but I think that if, if I stay happy and joyful and grateful for the work that I'm able to do, then that will come. The success will come if it's supposed to. I agree. I, I firmly believe in the idea of if you build it, they will come. Mm -hmm. Um, and also the concept that you're not everybody's cup of tea, but mm -hmm. if you're not everybody's cup of tea, that implies that you are somebody's cup of tea. You are somebody's, yeah. And somebody probably wants to buy little fairy houses. Um, I know it's something that, like, I've always found intriguing. I'm, I make lists, not lists. I have, I have a friend who is a self-proclaimed artist um all these little quotations um I mean she's 19 now I think she's 19 I think she's pretty sure <laughs> but she just makes art to make art because she's 19 and she can and yeah so like all summer I would just like send her art ideas from Instagram right and be like we need to make this we need so we just have like a long list of art projects we need to try <laughs> but um, I think that there is well, the, the concept like that there's somebody for everybody. So if you do the things that bring you joy, you're bound to run into somebody else who also finds joy in that. And that's where, like, that's where you're going to find your tribe, almost like what you found with makers and creatives where you found other artists and found other people who do things and you found people who you can relate to and can help you and mentor you and whatever. Um, because you found people who drink the same cup of tea that you like. Um, and I think that's, that speaks a lot to community and the different communities that we can make, but also incorporate ourselves into in the world. Um, because I had 
So I had friends in high school who were artists and they were like, we can't live in Cheyenne. There's no art here. And they moved off to Portland and they make art and it's fantastic. Um, but I always told them like, you have to be the change you want to see. And if you want to see more than just Western art in Cheyenne, you have to stay here and make art. And there've obviously there've been people who have stayed. There are people like you who have moved here and made art. And now you don't just see cowboy art. And if you do see cowboy art, you see it in different mediums and you see it in a different point of view than like, I don't know, the kinds of things that I would see on, like, my grandparents' mantle um, that were very, we'll go with realistic paintings, sure. mm -hmm. and they're beautiful, but, like, one of my favorites is, like, this bison right behind me, mm -hmm. one of one of my favorites, and that's, like, I would have never seen that at, in my grandparents' house, because it's a different point of view even if it is of the same thing that you're looking at. And I think that's a beautiful thing that community can bring to the world. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not trying to bag on Western art at all. I mean, um, I had an idea of what I thought Western art was definitely before I moved here. Um, and we lived in Casper for a long time. I wasn't really involved in the art community or like really into going to see art at all when we lived in Casper it's only it's only really blossomed since I moved to Cheyenne but um there's there's so many different viewpoints here of what western art is and what western art can be um you know some people do very abstract western art like it might it might all be bison but mm -hmm. there's 50 different versions of what a bison could look like you know it's right. just what you have um, above your head, I can, I can see that. And it's beautiful. I love the red, the contrast. And, um, you know, it's not just, like you said, it's not just like your grandma's Western art, right? It's, yes. um, it's a whole, a whole kaleidoscope of, of, of different visions for what, for what people experience out in the, and it's so interesting that like, it's, it's just feels very singular to, to, to Wyoming, the type of art that people are creating. I just don't, I don't know. Wyoming is cool. I love it. And uh, um, it's just, it's really cool to see other people's like visions of, um, you know, something that's so different than my vision, because I don't, I don't do bison. I don't do animals or anything like that. Not really. Um, and so it's, it's cool to see. I don't create the Western art, but I love looking at it. And I mm -hmm. love the people that do make that art. That makes yeah. Sense. And I think, like you said, there's a lot of different interpretations of what Western art could be. And like, there are some things that I've seen that would be considered abstract, but then incorporate like the same kind of patterns you would see on like a Native American, um, like not the headdress, but the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> Rest in general. Mm -hmm. um, because they have distinct patterns that they would use that you can kind of identify like, hey that's what that looks like and yeah. I think it's I definitely think it has grown a lot I mean I I grew up here so I've been here for almost 30 years and so I've seen the art change and the art become more apparent which I love like all of the murals just make me oh, so yeah. happy <laughs> oh yeah 
because yeah, when I was a kid, really beautiful. downtown was just, it was bricks and trash. Like mm-hmm. all of the alleys, it was just where you put trash. And now, yeah. even though there's still trash there, because trash has to go somewhere, like there's beautiful art. And sometimes it has to do with the business that's there. And sometimes it has to do with something that happened in town. And sometimes it has to do with because that's what the artist felt like painting that day. And all of it, like none of it's the same, but it's all like it all comes together somehow, even though they're not the same styles or colors or themes. Um, And I think it's done a great job to bring downtown together as like, this is a place people want to be. Um, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I work downtown, like right um, just a couple of steps from the, the, purple and yellow and orange um Cheyenne mur- sorry there's a bug um the Cheyenne mural it's on the corner of Lincoln Way and Pioneer um and there's always people pulling over to take pictures in front of that thing and so um you know I know what you're saying but when I first moved here when we first started coming to visit a couple of years before we moved here I was just shocked at how much downtown foot traffic there wasn't it didn't really seem like anybody was ever hanging around downtown or walking around or doing anything like that and in the in the last few years Cheyenne downtown Cheyenne's really become you know a vibrant place and there's a whole lot of people walking around and, and visiting the businesses and the restaurants and bars and everything and there's so many more um events for the community too um free stuff that people can can do and that's really encouraging and I never saw myself as somebody that would want to be involved in a community in any way but just the last few years, I'm really starting to in, enjoy that more. It sounds really weird to say. It feels weird to say I'm part of the community, but I just feel like that's, I don't know, it's becoming more important to me the older I get to to contribute to that, especially when I see people's reaction to my art. It makes me feel like I'm I'm doing something for their, for their life too, as weird as it sounds, right? I'm inspiring other people with with what I do and um that just makes me want to be involved all all the more I guess in in the smallest way possible I guess (laughs) yeah and I love that and I love that you said in the smallest way possible because um I feel like a lot of times we forget that we don't have to like it doesn't have to be a grand gesture to make a difference and (laughs) I've seen your art it 100% brings joy to people So it, and having the ability to make something that someone can look at and smile. And I mean, you go into the psychology of like, if you smile, your body creates endorphins that make you happier. So you are making the world a happier place through your work. Even if you don't get, like, you probably get to experience that the first time when somebody buys a piece but you don't get to experience that every time they look at it, but they do. And that keeps impacting them, even if you don't get to see it. Sure. So um, what, is there something specific that got you into art in the first place? Um, I, I don't really know if it was a specific thing. Um, it was definitely a couple of people. I remember, um, uh, right around fourth grade, the the 
place that my mom had um, watching us because she worked full time. So my sister and I would go um, to a woman's house, you know, before and after school. And she would have an artist come in maybe like once a month. Um, sometimes we would go to her house too. And she would just do art projects with us all the time. And I really, really connected with her. Um, she was a French lady named Cosette. I think she still lives in Minnesota, but I'm not really sure. Um, I just remember being so just like impressed by her and I, um, I wanted her attention all the time. And I'd love the things that she would show us, um, and that we would create with her. And that's when I remember really, really, um, being interested in art. I started making more of an effort in art class in school at that point, for sure. Um, and I remember her, you know, praising a couple of the projects that I did. Um, and then there was also a friend of my stepmother's who um, really encouraged um, me to make art too. She, she'd buy me supplies for no reason. Um, and she would show me her art. She was a very, very talented painter. Um, and so I remember being really, really influenced and inspired by those two ladies for sure um, when I was younger. But it, just ever since I met those two, I guess, I've been making my own stuff. Um, and then I when it came time to go to college, I was not trying to go to school for art. I was trying to go to school to make money. Um, and so I tried a couple of different things. I tried to get into nursing. I tried to get into um, biology, but I couldn't really hack the math. Um, or at least I thought I couldn't at the time. And so I, I eventually broke down and was like, if I'm going to go to college, I have to go to college for something that I want to do because this is just not happening for me. And so um, that's when I started taking art classes. And then um, we moved, we eventually moved to Laramie. Um, my husband finished his bachelor's degree there. And then that's when we moved to Laramie, that's when I started painting for real and selling my art. Um, and so, yeah. So not not one singular event, but two very specific women and for sure um, that inspired me and encouraged me to do what I do. I have a question. Do those women know that they had that kind of impact on you? No, I haven't seen Cosette or talked to her since I was probably in fifth grade. Um, we, after fifth grade, I kind of stopped going to um, that babysitter's house and, um, you know, I just, I aged out, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> And then um, my stepmom's friend, Michelle, uh, you know, we saw her maybe like twice a year. And then um, after I, after I moved to Wyoming um, and after they, you know, they moved away and had their own lives and I moved to Wyoming, um, I didn't really see her again. I talked to, talked to her, I guess, through my stepmom a couple of times, but um, yeah, I, I haven't really had any contact with either of them. Yeah, I just wondered, because I know, like, kind of back to you have impact on people, whether you know it or not. Mm -hmm. And I've always been, like, I feel like people think I'm weird for it, but I don't care. <laughs> um, I like to tell people when they've made an impact. And so, like, yeah. I'll just, like, reach out to someone who I haven't talked to in 15 years and be like, hey, just so you know, I'm doing this thing because of a, like, random sentence you said to me in 10th grade. And... I'm just rolling with it now. So thanks for the inspiration. And they're like, okay. Well, <laughs> but I think that's really cool that you do that. I mean, I have thought, I have thought about reaching out to Cosette um, a couple of times in the last few years. I guess that's, if it's bugging me, 
recently that probably means that I should go ahead and do that. Um, I guess the reason I haven't is because I'm too chicken shit to do it and I don't think she'll remember me. Um, but I guess that doesn't really matter um, whether she remembers me or not. I think that I would certainly like it if someone told me that even if I didn't remember them. So I guess why not take a chance and just reach out and see if she's around, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no pressure. Just saying, the worst thing that could happen is that they don't remember you and they think you're weird. And yeah, well, that that's going to happen anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no, not to assume, but you are an artist. So I'm certain somebody at some point in time has thought you were weird. It's sort of like the artist thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that I'm weird a lot of the time. So no doubt other people. I probably put that out there too. So <laughs> yeah, well... I know I called my kid a weirdo the other day and he was just like, well, that's rude. And I was like, better than being normal. Hey, who wants to be normal? I'd rather be a weirdo. And so <laughs> it's all how you frame it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, do you, so you said that you're enjoying like becoming more and more part of the community and giving back. Have you thought of anything that like any way specifically that you want to give back to the community whether it's the art community or Cheyenne in general has there anything that like random thought that's bubbled up in your brain you know not right now um I I haven't really had any you know moments of inspiration where I feel like I have to start getting involved in this or that um I'm mostly just I don't know, I guess, skirting around the edges of things. Um, I'm just kind of starting to see what the impact is of just like being present, I guess. Um, like, I guess the, the most recent thing we went to was the arts and aviation, the opening at the old airport. Um, you know, I didn't have to go to that. There was nothing like specifically for me there. Um, but I just thought that it would just be really nice to show up um, and have have another another person there to to learn about what they were doing and to say hi and everything. And um, so I guess I just <laughs> without getting too much into it, like I don't really view myself as a person that can make much of a difference doing stuff. And so it takes it takes a little bit of an effort for me to show up, I guess. Okay. Um, or, or to sign up for things, um, especially like the, the things like makers and creatives do all the shows, um, the shows for the art house and everything. Like sometimes I just want to pass and I don't like, I don't have anything to contribute. I don't need to do that show or I don't need to get involved in that. Um, but then some things I've made myself get involved in, like thinking that I have nothing to contribute is feels like a very wrong thing. Like even, even if the, it's a, it's a Western show, if I don't have any specific Western art, I can still like submit something. Right. You know, and, and most often than not, they take it. So <laughs> um, showing up, I guess, and being present to support um, other events um, has, I don't know, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, not not specifically like getting involved and putting my name on things, just showing up for others, I guess, is yeah. what 
um, I'm starting to see is making a difference in um, in my life. And then also, I just, I think it makes a difference uh, to them too, because I always get thanked for showing up. You know, thank you for your participation. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for doing this. And um, so I'm starting to realize that that makes, that makes a difference. Like me, me being present, not, not me, um, <laughs> just um, people being present and showing up for each other. Just, it really does make a difference. I 100% agree with you. And I, I'm going to ask you, I know I don't know you personally, but I'm going to ask you to, at some point, it doesn't have to be now, but I'm going to ask you to, to reframe that a little bit and say, like, it matters that I show up. It matters that I'm the one who's there. It doesn't, it's not just anybody. Not anybody can bring you to a room. You can bring you to a room. Nobody else can do that. I can't walk into a room and be like, I'm Alicia, I make art. No one's going to believe me because first of all, they're going to see my art and they're going to be like, mm, no. <laughs> um, but remembering that your specific presence does matter and you're probably creating friendships or at least like acquaintanceships, if that's a word, with- I love People. that word. No, I love that word. <laughs> um, relationships in general with people and whether it's on a professional man level or a personal level, um, it 100% matters that you show up. And because first of all, if you're the one who shows up, you're the one they're going to remember when they start feeling like, oh, if I put this piece into a show, it's not even going to matter. But then they're going to remember like, but that one time I put a piece in a show and Alicia showed up and she said that she loved that piece. So it matters that I put my art out there. Okay. And I think that goes back to what you said is if people in general show up for each other, like it's going to build community. But remembering that you as an individual bring your own special essence into the world. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> anyway, um, that was my pep talk. So oh, yeah. Thank no, thank you. That's a, something I haven't haven't really heard before. Um bring your own specific brand to a situation. And and yeah, I guess you're right. It does matter because I don't, when I go into a room, I don't see a, a sea of gray. I see every individual person. Um, you know, there's there's Chandra, there's Olivia, there's Desiree, there's Chris, there's, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I see the individuality. So I guess why wouldn't another person see my individuality as well? And I guess that's not really something to be ashamed of. Um, I guess it's something to be proud of, right? You're your own celebrity. Like, why the fuck not? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we're going to transition into our little game so we make sure we have time for this. Mm -hmm. So you get to answer first. I'll answer second, but we'll answer the same question. So your first question, if you could have three pets, what would they be and why? Oh my gosh. Um. I would have a cat because I love cats. Um, uh, it's weird to say, but I really do like cats. I think they're really great. Um, we have a neighbor cat that we've kind of adopted a little bit. He comes and goes as he pleases. 
Um, I don't have any pets right now. Goodness, we don't, we're not really a pet family. Um, I don't know if I would have a dog, maybe a small dog that I could carry around everywhere. I've definitely tried to pull that one on my husband a couple of times. He's not having it. <laughs> um, and then, oh God, third. It would have to be something strange. It would have to be something not normal. Only thing I can think of would be like a whale or a dolphin. I don't know where I would keep it, but I really like <laughs> whales, obviously. Um, orcas are my thing. And so if I could, in some fantastical universe, have a pet orca, I would. That's terrible, but I would. I've been, okay, so tangent. I had this random thought yesterday, looking at my dog who has her favorite spot on the couch. And like, she went and she ate a couple pieces of food and then she laid down on the couch. And I was like, I want to, I want someone to research animals and if their brains have changed in relation to humans, because like, there's all these studies of like how contact with animals affects a human brain. And there's mm -hmm. studies of how, like, whether animals have consciousness in the same definition as humans. But I have this theory that, like, if my dog was a wild dog, she would not have the same behaviors that she does as a pet. And so, like, one of my dogs was a rescue, and it took her years, years to become comfortable with humans, more years to become comfortable with other dogs, but now she is. And now, like, she feels secure, and I feel like she just has a lot less stress. So then it makes me wonder, like, okay, what impact has that had on her brain to, like, develop, like, whether it's a larger frontal lobe or something like that? And... Mm -hmm. And then, like, there's been videos of, like, otters on the internet where I'm just like, that otter cannot be acting the exact same way that a wild otter would be because that otter knows that person. And, like, it's just, anyway. So that's a random thought that I had this last week, um, which came from whatever was the last thing you said, and my brain has now forgotten it. Um <laughs> Oh, but like if in some fantastical world you could have an orca. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I mean, having an orca as a pet, I think the like, um, we'll go with shady part of that probably right. comes from the idea that like SeaWorld exists and how people have treated orcas at SeaWorld is not ideal. But I'm assuming that if you found an orca that you loved, who was your pet, and you treated them with respect, I feel like they would reciprocate differently than the orcas who were trapped in SeaWorld and tried to eat their trainers. Like, I feel like it would okay. be different. <laughs> I feel like it would be different. That's my point. Um, <laughs> so my three animals would be, and we're going fantastical because these are the animals I've wanted my entire life. Mm -hmm. I want a tiger. Um... I want a monkey that sits on my shoulder because oh. I've always fancied myself a pirate and I would have <laughs> a monkey on my shoulder before Pirates of the Caribbean had a monkey, just so we're all aware of that. Okay. Um, and then third, I don't know what my third would be. Probably like, I would probably have a, a pet bumblebee 
if I had to choose one, it would be a bumblebee mm-hmm. because I love gardening and I love bees and I have like Russian sage in my front yard. And every time I would come home, I would like, there's like 50 bumblebees and I call them my bumbles and I'd be like, hi bumbles, how are you? And I talk to them. So that's, those would be my pets, bumblebees, monkey, and a tiger. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Go big, don't you? I was like cat. (laughs) But I love cats too. My cat is a neighborhood cat like he also comes and goes as he pleases but I'm the one who's in charge of feeding him so <laughs> um okay second question if you won a six-month all-expenses-paid experience living anywhere in the world what are two locations you would consider Mexico and Mexico no um <laughs> I'd want to go to Mexico for sure. I love it there. And then um, I'm just going to pick my other favorite food. I guess I would go to Italy because I can't with, I can't stop with the pasta. Um, <laughs> that would be my thing. I've always wanted to go to Italy too. It's just such like an art and architecture Mecca. Mm-hmm. It would be amazing for sure. Yeah. Um. Where in Mexico? Just like drop you anywhere in Mexico or somewhere specific? No, no. Um, it would have to be, you know, I'm, I'm such a such a white person. It would have to be somewhere resorty and beachy where I could eat all the tacos I wanted to and I could swim up to the bar and drink tequila all day. Um, it would have to have a pool, a beach, nonstop tacos and margaritas. And I think I could probably live the rest of my days happy. (laughs) All right. Um, I think my two places would be Iceland. um, And Peru. Have you been to either? No. They're on my bucket list. (laughs) Iceland because I love like... So like I do hot cold therapy and they have like natural hot springs and they have cold and they have all sorts of stuff. And there's just like, there's volcanoes and it's cool. And like, you can cook things in the ground. Um, <laughs> and that's, just, it just seems really cool. Um, Peru, because um, my mom has always wanted to go see Machu Picchu and mm-hmm. it's like, that's the trip that we've been planning in our heads for forever. So we're going to go to Machu Picchu. But when I go places, I like to be there for a while and live there for a while. And I would like to like rent a house and like walk down to the market and buy the food we need for the day and just like live in Peru for a while. Like, I think that'd be fantastic. So. It'd be cool for sure. Um. All right. Last question. Name a habit you could change or stop that might create a better future for you or the people around you. Oh, okay. Um, I think that it's, it's the habit I have of not sharing. Um, Okay. 
I don't, like I see it impacted a lot with the people that I work with. Um, because you know, where I work, we're just, we're very close and we always tell each other about our lives, but I've come to realize that I don't share a lot. I, mm-hmm. I'm always there to listen to people when they talk about their lives and what's happening, but I, I'm very closed mouthed about my own life and my own struggles. And there have been a couple of times, um, especially with the ladies that are a little older than me, when I have kind of let it out, what I was stressing about or whatever. And I, I see their attention snap, like, like immediately, like they're immediately listening to me. And so that's the last couple of times it's happened. It's just made me realize that, um, I, I can be really closed off to other people and then not really sharing a whole lot of my life. Um, it seems weird to me that anyone would want to know about me. Um, it seems really weird to me that you asked me to be on your podcast, if I'm being honest. Um, I saw the invite and I was like, why? <laughs> uh, and so I think that's what I would probably change because I know um it's an area that my husband and I have struggled with to me being kind of closed off and not expressing to him how I feel or what's going on in my life. Um, and so, you know, I, I do it with him. I do it with my sister and my mother and basically everybody, everybody I know. Um, mm-hmm. I find it a lot easier to tell a virtual stranger about my struggles than the people that are closest to me. I know I'm not alone in that. Uh, so that that's what I would change. Um, I don't want to just not talk about myself nonstop, but I would like to be not more accessible, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, quick tangent. The the answer to why is because you are the expert on your human experience. So that is why you were invited here, because you are a human being who has your <laughs> oh, own story <laughs> and you are the expert on that story. Um, and I'm going to piggyback off of yours because I have that same problem. I'm not going to lie. I don't want to change that problem. (laughs) (laughs) Like every once in a while, I'm like, oh, maybe I should actually open up to people. I'm like, no, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to. (laughs) Um, And it is interesting, like the amount that we can share with complete strangers that we don't share with the people closest to us. Um, And I've experienced that a lot in my life. Um, But I feel like, like I, so I'm, I'm a poet and I just came out with my second book, like literally last week. And so it's a series on my journey through trauma and healing. And every time a new book comes out, I'm like, I'm like, all right, it's out in the world. I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I should probably sit down with my mom and have a few little chit chats <laughs> so that she doesn't cry about things she doesn't know about because uh-huh. I've never shared that part of me with her. Um, and I think, I think it is a, I'm not going to say a problem. I think it is an obstacle that a lot of us face because I feel like it's too close to home. Like you can tell a complete stranger because it it doesn't impact them. It doesn't impact your day-to-day life if you say, hey, this is a problem I'm having. 
But if you say that to your husband, then they start to feel a way about it. And then you have to feel a way about it. And then there's all the conversation. And then there's so much stuff that comes with it. I'm not saying don't deal with the stuff, deal with the stuff, but it's just harder to do that. It's it's much easier to be, you know, rejected or judged by a stranger than it is the people that you love the most. Yep. Um, And so that's a, that's a pretty good reason to hide stuff. (laughs) Unfortunately. Um, But if I didn't piggyback off of yours, I'd say the habit that I could change or stop would be I'm gonna go with not intellectualizing everything like I think there's a a good side to it but like my kids we talk about everything not because they want to but because I would like my children to understand that they are the ones who are in charge of their emotions and they don't have to let other people make them feel a certain way. But that that means every time that they're sad about something, my brain essentially, like, we just, I just go straight to, okay, here's the breakdown. This is what this person said. This is what you said. Um, This is like, and then afterwards I'm like, ooh, I, I forgot the are you okay? Do you need a hug empathy piece? And so it's not necessarily not intellectualizing things, but finding a balance between the, the thinking and the feeling, because I 100% am way more thinking than feeling. And I feel like it it can be very apparent in relationships. (laughs) I totally get that for sure. I'm a, I'm a, a 100% feeling person, but that's, that's something that sometimes I struggle with too. It's, you know, breaking it down and trying to explain things to my 11 year old, why he feels this way or why that person said that shit to him when all he really wants is to be held and told yep. that it's going to be okay, that he's okay. Yeah. So I feel, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So one last question before I let you go, if there's one thing the world needs to hear, what is it? Why did I know you were going to ask that? <laughs> um, I guess I'm, I'm going to in turn piggyback off of something that you said, because that really made a difference, difference to me is that, that you're an individual and your presence matters and you are not just a member of a sea of gray, right? You're your own specific color. And we all need to see that as long as you're not, you know, trying to be a, a little jackass about it. You know, <laughs> if, 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 if you mean well, and you're doing the best that you can, and, and you're kind and compassionate, you know, that's, that's what we need. And you should just keep shining. I love it. Well, Alicia, thank you for joining me on the Common Humanity Podcast, where we're here to have real human conversations.